Good morning. Whether you're here or attending from home, it is good to see you and be with you. We are continuing our thinking about our time, and uh, this morning we're thinking about free time. So what's your normal, what's your work day look like? Uh, For a moment, maybe close your eyes, think about tomorrow morning. When you go back, uh, I don't know what you're going to do. Some of you will um, go to some uh, plant where you're assembling something or packing something. Uh, maybe you're going to go into an office and start trying to organize schedules, or you're going to line up um, workers or subs, uh, employees to do something. You're going to um, probably have some victories throughout your week. That's great. Hope that that happens for you. You're probably going to have a lot of struggles, right? Work is pretty hard <laughs> a lot of the times. Uh, frustrated coworkers, frustrate, frustrated employees, frustrated managers, frustrated clients, um, things breaking, not working right. Uh, but finally, uh, five or six or seven or eight o'clock comes, and you get to go home, and you have free time. And then you do that four more days, and finally you get to the weekend, Right? And uh, when you have what seems to be boundless free time. And isn't free time the very best thing in the entire world? Um, If you don't get it, if you're watching from home right now, you can just pause, go watch uh, the first, well, watch episodes four, five, and six of Star Wars, and then, then restart... Um, there's, um, you know, I'm, I'm super big into Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Shakespeare. Um, but there's uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, if you've watched that or uh, read it. There's this uh, scene where in the play, some characters are putting on a play, and one of them is going to be a lion. And so he comes out in this lion getup, and uh, then he wants to... He wants to calm the crowd down, like, don't worry, I'm not a real lion. And he says, if you thought I was a real lion, I would be risking my life. So there he is, thinking that his, his get-up is so persuasive uh, that somebody might attack him. He says, I would be risking my life, but no, I am not at all a lion. I am a man just like other men. And then he goes on to tell them um, who he is, and he takes off his mask, and he shows them who he is, so that they won't be afraid. Uh, this morning, right now, I want you to not be afraid. Uh, We're going to take on free time, and you might right now be thinking, oh great, Sam's going to ruin my free time. (laughs) Uh, It might change, um, but I think that God is going to give us something good if we think together, if we reason together. When you think about free time, uh, and you're going to turn to a Bible passage, um, don't say it, don't say it out loud, but what passage do you turn to? What biblical hero do you turn to who is a great example of how he uses his weekends? Uh, there's, there's like two, <laughs> and uh, David has some free time up on his roof. That turns out poorly. There's not, a, there's, not a lot of good ex, there's not a lot of examples of the use of free time in the Bible. And so this morning, I am not turning us to a passage and saying, here's what God says when you get to the weekend, 
because we are facing a modern dilemma. Free time is a super modern concept. The world, uh, when this was being written, from the very very beginning to the very end, um, basically had no free time unless you were a king. You worked and you labored to survive. We have a modern dilemma, but God has not left us adrift. So, um, as Isaiah says, let's reason together. Let's, uh, we're not going to be turning to one particular passage, but we are going to be thinking biblically and looking at some passages along the way. First things first, we have to define our terms. A lot of problems, a lot of um, arguments, a lot of confusion happens because we're not using the same terms as each other. So that's where we're going to start this morning. And um, again, these terms, these definitions do not come out of the Bible, but um, if you want, you can, uh, you can call this Sam's philosophy of existence, because that's, that's what it is, um, which means it is not inspired, could be wrong, can't imagine that it is. All right, so we start with the term life. What do we mean by life? And I would suggest that for this morning, at least as we're talking together, and then you ponder it throughout the week and decide if you agree or or weeks, um, I would suggest that life is knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. I don't think it's breathing. I don't think it's eating. I don't think it's merely existing. I think life is... Knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. And think of what scripture says about death and eternal death. Uh, Ultimately, that is separation from God. And so I think life is knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. We get that from John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We have to abide in him or else we have no life. Um, Genesis 1.27, God says that, hey, let's make man, male and female, in in our image. Let's make him like us. And so ultimately, uh, as we've talked about in the past, imitating God, being like him is a form of worship. It is a way of knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. And so uh, John 15, Genesis 1:27, I think show us that life is knowing, glorifying, and enjoying God. So then we come to work. What is work? And if you're thinking of tomorrow morning, I think you're thinking wrong. All right? So I realize that we probably should have set these definitions out a couple weeks ago. It's my bad. I started the series. Um, But I would suggest that work is executing Yahweh's prime directive. Work is executing life, knowing, enjoying, glorifying God. We cannot be static, we can't be unmoving, we can't do nothing and do that. That calls us to something. And so what is that something? Um, How do we uh, carry out life? And my answer is work. And right now you're thinking, that is a terrible answer, Sam. I don't want to work all the time. Well, I have some some really good news. Uh, The work that I'm talking about is not the work that you're thinking of first thing in the morning. Um, Work is when God says in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the air, the sea, the land. That is God's work for us. In other words, God's work for us is fruitfulness, 
multiplication, and dominion. I think that's what God calls us to. That is the great work that he has for us. Another way of saying that would be that we are to pursue the well-being of our family and our community. I believe that the work God has called us to, and this morning at the very least, whenever I say work, this is what I'm trying to mean, pursuing the well-being of your family and your community. That is a beautiful description, I think, of being fruitful and multiplying and having dominion. That comes out of not only Genesis 1.28, but Ephesians 5.22, uh, or 5, sorry, 5, yeah, 5.22 uh, through 6.4, where he describes, Paul describes a relationship between husbands and wives. And the way that we pursue the well-being of our family, starting there, is wives submit to your husbands, even though he may not deserve it, And husbands, love your wives, even if she makes it hard. And then you nurture each other in the Lord. And then children, they obey their parents. Last week when we were watching uh, Pastor Kip preach uh, together uh, with my family at home, Jack said, hey, I don't have to obey because Pastor Kip didn't bring it up today. We thought he was going to. Um, So I told Jack, we're going to get to it this week. So the way the family works together, the way you pursue the well-being, the way the child pursues the well-being of the family is they obey their parents in the Lord for it's right. And parents, um, it says that we nurture our children. The word is we give life to, we feed. We feed our children on the character and the admonition of the Lord. So uh, work is executing Yahweh's prime directive. It is pursuing the well-being of your family and your community, that includes things like taking a shower. It includes things like sleeping, house chores, devotions, mowing the lawn, clipping the hedges, if you have hedges, painting the fence, shoveling the snow. Hallelujah, I think we're past that. Um, There are any number of things that we have to do as a daily work in order to pursue the well-being of our family. And I think too often we clock out at work, we get home and we think, aha, I'm on free time. No, you're not. The dishes need done. The food needs made. The cats need fed. Cats need cleaned up after. Dog needs walked. Lawn needs mowed. Oil needs changed. That's the work that God has given us to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. All right, and so now the one that, you've been, that you thought I was thinking of when I said work is your job. What is your job? I would suggest that the job is a tool that we use to help us as we pursue the task, the work of fruitfulness, multiplication, and dominion. I had someone come to me this week, interview for a position with us, and um, 
we asked her, you know, well, why are you interested in working here? And she said um, that she wanted to improve her family's situation. Exactly. She understood that her work, now she probably didn't think of it in these terms, but she understood that her work was caring for the well-being, tending, nursing the well-being of her family. And she saw her job as a way to do that, specifically bringing in uh, finances, typically. Typically bringing in money. Um, So the job is a tool that we use as we pursue the work of fruitfulness, multiplication, and dominion. It provides us with funds for needs, for wants. It is a crucible to refine our character. It is a place to execute the dominion that God has given us. And for those who, um, who know the Lord, who think of work as worship, um, it is a field in which to plant, tend, water, and harvest a spiritual fruit. And then we come to free time. Free time is any time left over after your job, after your house chores are finished, and a time for which we are not responsible or accountable. It's any time left over after your job or your household chores are done, uh, when those are all finished, for which we are not responsible or accountable. And hopefully you're hearing this in your head. I'm hoping that when you heard me say all that, you thought, well, that's not right, Sam. (laughs) Of course we're accountable for that time. And you're right, Uh, hence the record scratch. And yet, I'll, I'll make myself exhibit A, because I'm sure you're not like this, but I have found that when I get to my free time, that I tend to feel exactly that. When, I mean, I, you know, I load the dishwasher. I'm a huge help at home. When dinner's cleaned up, and we've, you know, I've played a game with Jack or Jack and Nora or whoever, and we've done whatever, and dishes are cleared in the washing machine. Don't worry, Nora will get them out in the morning and put them away. Or Jack will. Somebody will. Right now it's Nora. Um, and they're in bed, and Celeste and I look at each other. I think, aha. We can do anything now, right? Uh, and I will confess, I don't pause at that moment and say, hey, so let's, let's, let's pray about what do we do now. I think, wh- which, which show are we watching and which one's next? Ooh, where we left off in, let's go see what happens next. Um, let, me, let me say here, Because some of you, as soon as I started talking about free time, you felt guilty because you're not using it well enough. You're not being efficient enough. Um, This sermon is not about uh, being ultra-efficient and never wasting a moment of time, and you should feel bad about who you are and what you're doing. That's not what this message is about. This message is about thinking clearly about our free time. Free time is not something that God has given us 
um, so that we don't have to have any responsibility for it. It is precious time that he has given us to steward to his ends. And I'm going to suggest to you that what we ought to do with our free time is work. And you're like, but I just got done doing that all day long. No, no, I'm not saying your job. And I'm not saying you need your list and you're quite rigid and you're going to be so efficient today, you're going to get everything done for the whole week right now and tomorrow you do the same thing for next week. What I'm saying is you use that time to work. Well, what's work? Work is pursuing the well-being of your family. We use our free time to pursue the well-being of our family. What we really need, oh, well, there's free time, right? I'm suggesting that free time is a mythological creature. Uh, What we really need is a biblical view of time. And this is what I spoke on two weeks ago, so we're going to condense two weeks ago's message into, um, I don't know, we'll see how long, three minutes? Now you're timing me. All right, here we go. Um, you could look at Ephesians 5.15 if you're, if you're not there, but a biblical view of time says that we acknowledge that that time is a resource God has given us to steward to his ends. Time is scarce. What does Ephesians 5.15 say? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity or buying time. Going to the marketplace and saying, what's most valuable here? It's time. I want that. Making the most of every opportunity. Wouldn't that include free time? Or did Paul not mean the weekend? Be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, and always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Time is scarce. We're to use it wisely and carefully, being full of the Holy Spirit, even on the weekend. And using our free time for mutual encouragement, inner worship, and thanksgiving to the Lord. That's buying time. So how do I live like God wants me to, even when I'm done with my job and my home care tasks? Uh, I would suggest that that we need to think of as our, instead of free time, that we start thinking of it as discretionary time. And some of you are like, well, that's the exact same thing, Sam. I understand, but when we say discretionary time, you think of spending, don't you? You think of dollars. You think of money, and you think of that as a very limited resource. Discretionary money is money that isn't already allocated somewhere else that has to be used in that place. And think of time as the same way, that you have time that is already spoken for. And for most of us, that's a job. And for some of us, we don't know how long that job's going to take us that week. It, when, you, when you own a company or you manage a division, 
you're going to put in probably a lot more hours than someone who just, you know, who is uh, able to punch the clock and do the thing and go home. But whatever it is, you know you have some limits to your time. And so we call that discretionary time. How does our culture use its discretionary time? How does our culture use its free time? I have a very short list. Uh, we could go on and on, but number one, probably TV, right? Uh, binge watching, social media. I don't know how many times I've seen uh, someone saying, I'm done with this, whatever the series I'm watching is. I need something else to watch. Give me recommendations. TV, social media, parties, uh, golfing. Every year I think I'm going to golf more. Every year I say, I'm going to golf more this year. And it seems like that never happens. Um, drinking, running, uh, that's uh, people with certain mental problems, uh, they jog <laughs> or run. Video games, um, hashtag lake life, pornography, gardening, car restoration, home flipping, reading. Our culture presents us with um, basically a sliding scale of things that we might do with our free time, with our discretionary time. And on one end of it is ultra-efficiency. It's people who are always reading the next help book. It's people who are always thinking of, uh, how do I improve? How do I use my time better? How do I be more productive? I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get better. I'm going to you know, get in better shape. And they're ultra-efficient. All they think about is going, 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 and doing. And at the other end of the spectrum, we have self-indulgence. And I don't know what you think of as the ultimate self-indulgence, but um, getting drunk, getting high, um, absolutely zoning out um, is, is what I think of as that other end. And so um, our culture, and even our, our church culture says, well, we don't want either of those things, so we'll, we'll moderate. We won't go way to this end, and we won't go to the, way to this end. We'll be in the middle. And if we're not like those bad people on that end, and we're not like the bad people on that end, and we get closer to the center, we're going to be better. Um, I would suggest that that's not the way we ought to think about it, that we aren't even supposed to be using that scale, that we're supposed to reject that, turn around, and see that God has given us something that is far better. And the far better is work. And I don't mean the ultra-efficiency, I mean the how do I use my time in a way that reflects God well? How do I pursue the well-being of my family? And remember, this isn't about guilt or, or, or squeezing the, the very last bit out of whatever it is. Um, it can be things like playing games with your kids. It can even be playing video games with your kids. It includes things like resting. Because when you're on an airplane and the pressure gives out, because there's a problem and the mass drops, what do you do? Let me take care of my eight children first, and by the time you get to like the third one, you're out of oxygen and you're done. 
you passed out. No, you put your own mask on first, right? We need to tend to our bodies, to our mental and spiritual and physical well-being so that we can be good, good stewards of the rest of our energies and time and be a good model. It includes rest, napping, sleeping. Sleeping is work in my model. You say, well, I kind of like the sound of that. It's not all bad. It includes recharging, uh, what, what uh, David Phelps was talking about on screen. It includes intimacy with your spouse, emotional and physical. It includes renewing our minds. Ultimately, supremely, our free time should be used in a way that renews our minds. It includes entertainment. It includes entertainment with God's directive, his filter, if you will. Philippians, uh, if you're in Ephesians, you can just flip over a couple pages. Philippians 4.8, if, if you're going to watch um, YouTube or Netflix or, or whatever, um, that's, that's possibly great. Uh, March Madness, I actually, you're going to be like, wow, Sam, you are out of touch. I, I saw that something like maybe Ohio State had lost or somebody in Ohio had lost and brackets were busted, and I was like, oh, March Madness was happening. Gotcha. I watch primarily YouTube, so I wasn't even uh, uh, tracking with the fact that it's March Madness. First time since I was um, 18 that I haven't had a bracket? I just forgot. Sorry. COVID. COVID got me. Uh, Philippians 4.8. You might be there by now. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So, TV's fine. You know what? Um, I, I, there was a point at which, there was a time in my life when I always said, hey, chuck your TV. Get rid of it. That's the best thing you can do. Now, we do have spaces in our home. One of our, we have uh, kind of like two living rooms, and one of them have a, has a TV and one doesn't. Because in the one, we can actually never be distracted by the TV uh, when we're talking or, or uh, entertaining or whatever. Um, but Culture has always had its storyteller. In ancient cultures, you sat around the fire at the end of the day and you listened to uh, the, the wise woman, the grandma, the grandpa, who would tell stories. True stories, false stories, uh, but every, every community would have had its storytellers. And that has, why, uh, has been primarily replaced by TV, by social media. And the problem now is that we have thousands of storytellers, and lots of them are crazy. <laughs> lots, of, lots of them tell us stories uh, that are, are not true, that are destructive, and they will tell us that they are true and they, uh, that they are good for us. So we need God's filter when we are um, going to watch something. It includes listening to God. Like Again, like he said in the video, if you didn't uh, see that, you might go back and watch it. Um, it includes meditation on scripture. It includes exercise. In whatever we're doing, we need to make sure that we are thinking about what is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is pure, uh, whatever is true. Uh, back to Ephesians 5, in verse 3, Paul says, But among you there must not be even a hint of any sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, 
or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. You may say, yeah, man, I don't have any friends that fit that description. I hang out with some pretty good people, and, and we, I would never be friends with this person who is obscene, foolish talking, coarse joking. Um, and my question is, what are we watching? Whether TV or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or Facebook. Because those people, those programs become our friends. If we wouldn't have a person like this with us in real life, why would we be watching it and laughing at it? Using our discretionary time ultimately means that we are pursuing the well-being of our families. Deuteronomy 6-7 says that we're supposed to teach our children and we sit down, stand up, and as we're walking, which means you can do that while you're playing video games with them. You can do that while you're taking a walk around the block. You can do that while you're watching a sporting event together. You can do that while you're playing games. And all of the mutual nurture that should happen between husband and wife can happen in the exact same ways. I'm not calling for us to turn off everything and sit on the living room floor and silence and look at each other. I'm saying that we need to start thinking about our lives. That culture calls us to live thoughtlessly. And God's primary antidote to that is that we think. <laughs> that we live in the Holy Spirit. Now what? Give you some practical things. First, do an inventory of your free time. Have you ever tried to uh, get your finances in order? I'd recommend it if you haven't. I've tried it lots of times. I heard a giggle, thank you. Like one person, plus you. The way it always starts is not here, set the perfect budget for your family and go. It is, look at how you've spent over the last month or whatever the time period is. And so, while what I would wish is that all of us would tonight, this afternoon, because probably when you get out of here, you're going to go eat, and then it's free time, right? Oh, discretionary time. Um, so, I would love to see us all just switch mo in, in this very moment. And whenever we have free time, we stop and we reflect and we ask God quickly, um, what should I do right now? And I think that's where we want to land. That's the end goal. But in the meanwhile, maybe starting with an inventory would be best. And if you can look back at the last week and say, what did I do every evening? If you find that you're watching four episodes of whatever the thing is, or five episodes for an entire week, maybe you're like, hmm, maybe I need to reconsider that. Yes. Um, and whatever it is, and if it's gardening, I told Kip I was going to pick on him. You know what? You can garden too much. You can garden, which our culture would say, well, that's a very noble use of time. But what if you're neglecting your wife and your children in the meanwhile, or your husband and your children, or you're neglecting your parents and you're gardening? See, we're called to think. We're called to pursue the well-being of our family. And sometimes that's taking a walk around the block, but you can take too many walks around the block. 
So we, we need to do an inventory of our free time. Secondly, we need to stop using the term free time. It's hard. Uh, but words matter, and words uh, form patterns in our brain of how we think. And even the phrase free time feels like no limits, no rules, no boundaries. And I would suggest there are limits, there are rules, there are boundaries, and we need to start thinking of it differently. So maybe discretionary time or whatever you come up with. You come up with something better that f rolls off your tongue, please tell me, and I'll work it into the book. Uh, third, assess the impact of your use of discretionary time. I had a good friend that I was talking with this sermon about um, the other day, and he said that uh, his wife, he's in ministry, and so he doesn't have a normal you know, weekend. Most people who are in uh, full-time paid ministry, like our pastors uh, and a lot of our staff, don't have weekends free. They work Saturdays and Sundays, and then they try to take like Monday off, which is crazy, because it's Monday. Um, <laughs> but he said that when he... Uh, so his wife would, would give him some afternoon time or some time when he had no responsibility. He could do whatever he wanted. She was like, hey, I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of the house. You go do whatever. And sometimes he would, for a while, he spent that time playing video games. And he realized after a while that when he would get done playing his video games for four hours, he felt crappy. And he's like, ah, that's a bad use of my time because I'm not ending up recharged, refreshed, renewed in our minds. I have not aided the well-being of our family, and so he switched to going to a coffee shop, reading, uh, reading the Bible, reading books that he wanted to read, and found that that actually did recharge him, refresh him, and gave him uh, things to think about as he led. So think about the impact of your use of discretionary time. Ask God for help, because our culture is going to relentlessly take your free time from you and, and encourage you to corrupt it and use it for yourself Consume it upon your lusts, like James says, and it's wasted and gone, and we haven't bought that time. And it's going to be really, really hard. I've been thinking about it nonstop, all week. I still, I mean, it's just hard. It's difficult. So ask God for help. And then figure out what restores and renews your life. Don't assume that what works for me works for you. Uh, someone told me, yeah, Pastor Kip gardens, and he feels refreshed, but gardening for me feels like work. I hate it. All right. Uh, which means ultimately you need to build a toolkit of things that help you buy time well. My wife has a, a list on the inside of, uh, well, in multiple notebooks, but in different places she has lists of meals that she can make when she you know, the, the schedule gets blown up or something happens or she's been sick, and it's like, oh, I don't know what to make. Um, and I always think, well, there's Culver's. Um, <laughs> but she has a list of, like, easy foods to make and, um, you know, make some ahead and put some in the freezer so they can just be pulled out. Um, but I think we need to do this. We, we need to make a list of things that refresh us and renew us and help us uh, serve our families well to, um, to benefit the kingdom of God so that when we feel uh, stuck... When you feel like, I don't know, something's wrong. I can't tell what's wrong with me. Yeah, open up your toolkit. Look at it. You're like, oh, take a walk. I haven't taken a walk in six months. So there, there might be some things that you can uh, find that will help renew you and, re and refresh and restore you. This isn't about being ultra-efficient. This isn't about feeling guilty. 
If you're feeling guilt, that is of no earthly good. If you're feeling conscience-stricken, that's wonderful. Uh, and that's a time where we listen to God and we say, what, what do we do next? What do we do next? How do we change this? Uh, and I need it. Uh, I'm not a lion, I'm just a man, just like you, and I need it as much as you do. So let's ask God for help. Father, we ask that you would free us from free time, that you would release us from self-absorption and ultra-efficiency, that you would help us to see that we need to be uh, building and refreshing our families, we need to be restoring, renewing our minds, we need to be caring for ourselves um, in every way so that we can be uh, fit vessels for your use, uh, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the redemption of, of people around us that we know and love. And I ask that our, our use of this discretionary time would be on an upward parabolic trajectory and we would see uh, beautiful things happen in our lives, our families, and our church, and our community as a result. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Blessings on you. Have a great week.